Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Thank you, Jonathan. Our Redeemer is faithful and true. Even when he woke me up at four o'clock this morning, his mercies are new every morning. My alarm wasn't set to go off to 5.30, but I knew then that there was a purpose, and I'm assured of that because of your song, because his mercies are new every morning, regardless of what time he wakes us up. This summer, the pastors are doing a sermon series on promises, standing on the promises of God. And I knew that we had communion coming next week. Sorry that that's not in the bulletin, but please make note of that, that next week there will be communion here in both services. And as I thought about the promises of communion, I thought, are there promises associated with foot washing? And so I asked if I could do a sermon this week to prepare for communion next week for both foot washing and communion, which will happen next week. And so in light of standing on the promises of foot washing, you might be wondering why I would title my sermon, The Potter's House. Well, when I was studying about this and thinking about it a couple months ago, in my devotional time, I was led to Jeremiah 18. Let me read those verses to you, Jeremiah 18, one through four. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. So as I'm thinking about these verses in my devotional time, and I'm studying for standing on the promises of foot washing and communion, it occurs to me that the account of Jesus' last week of his life, on that Thursday, he told John and Peter to go find a house and to prepare that house for Passover. Jesus is the potter. Jesus was going to go to a house and he was going to make something new concerning foot washing and concerning Passover. Now you can find that in three of the Gospels. I didn't put the scripture up there, but it's Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22 that he told them to go find the house. I'm not saying that foot washing or Passover were marred. I'm saying the potter, Jesus Christ, was going to make them something more, something more that could be relevant for our lives and for our Christian experience. And my friend, this is good news whenever Jesus the potter makes something more out of something. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
just want to thank you for the opportunity to look at this act of foot washing today and for the promises that are associated with it. May it touch our hearts and our minds, and may we go away determined to believe that you have a plan in both of these acts. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So this week, we're going to picture Jesus going into the house for Passover. We will talk about the promises concerning foot washing this week, and next week we will talk about the promises concerning communion. Foot washing was a very common practice in the Middle East. People would frequently come home and wash their own feet. And if you look in scripture, in the book of Genesis, there are four examples of foot washing in Genesis. The first one is found in Genesis 18. Three people come to Abraham. He recognizes one as the Lord. He greets them, he bows down to them. He says, let me get water for your feet. He brings the water and then he goes and tells his servants to prepare a meal for them. In Genesis 19, we see Lot receiving two angels. And as he receives those two angels, he says, come in, let me get water for you for foot washing. Then we look at Genesis 24, and Abraham's servant has gone to find a wife for Isaac. When he comes to Laban's house, Laban gives him water for his, to wash his feet as well as the servants, men that were with him. And then in Genesis 43, Joseph, um, brothers have come to Egypt. They are taken into Joseph's house and the scripture said they are given water to wash their feet. So it is obvious from scripture that being given water to wash their feet was a standard act of hospitality. Now something that was new to me as I studied this, I always thought that Abraham washed the Lord's feet. I always thought that Lot washed the Lord's feet, but it doesn't say that in scripture. So I started looking and I started looking in commentaries. It's not there. And what is there is that water was given for them to wash their feet. It was the act of hospitality. Now since we wanna talk about Passover, we wanna move into Exodus, and not one mention in Exodus is there of foot washing. Not one mention to have to do with Passover at all. And so, um, they, think about it, Passover was happening and what were they thinking about during Passover? They were thinking about preparing the Passover lamb, getting the blood on the doorpost, trusting that God would not kill their firstborn because they had done what God said to do, and trusting that God would lead them out of bondage into freedom. Their mind was not on the act of hospitality that involved foot washing at all. But we do know that according to Jewish tradition, 
Ritual foot washing was added later and frequently practiced in the ceremony of, of foot yeah, Let me start again. It was frequently practiced before the Passover feast, but was not actually included in the supper. There are occasional mentions of foot washing in a couple other Old Testament verses, Judges 19.21, an act of hospitality to a traveler that was coming into a city, actually done by a stranger. He was giving, the stranger gave that traveler water to wash his feet. And one last mention in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 25.41, David's servants, come with a marriage proposal to Abigail. How would you respond? This was Abigail's response. Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. What an answer to a marriage proposal. This is the first example or first reference in scripture I can find where someone was willing to wash someone else's feet. As time goes on, we can see culturally that it became standard for people that were in authority, people that were, um, how did I, what was the word? People of station, that their feet would be washed by somebody else. But it wasn't originally like that. But by the time we come to Jesus' time, it was pretty common practice that people would wash somebody's feet if they were the master over them. So let's continue on in the New Testament. Peter and John have found that house They've gone to the upper room. They've prepared for Passover. They've prepared for foot washing as that act of hospitality. Basin, pitcher of water, a towel is all there. They have prepared for this event to happen. In John 13, Jesus has come into the room and verse two says, that supper had ended. And then verse four says that he rose from supper, and as Jim read earlier, he took his robe off, he girded himself with a towel, and he set about to wash the disciples' feet. Now there's a couple interesting things in this passage to me. First of all, the time sequence seems odd to me. In most of the Old Testament verses and logic, it would imply that when you came into the house is when the foot washing happened. It was something that was done and then you would have had supper. But here Jesus waits until after the supper to initiate foot washing. And I thought about that in what was happening in that room. You know, Jesus has come to the last week of his life. He's repeatedly told his disciples that he's going to die. They are sorrowful about that. They are concerned about what's going to happen to them next. They, want, they don't want this, 
And so there's a lot of tension in this room. There's also tension because if he does die, who's gonna take over this movement? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? And so there's this sorrow, this tension that is all happening in this room. And Jesus doesn't solve it by words, by saying this is the person who's going to um, be greatest. He doesn't solve it by giving them comfort. He solves it by the act of taking up a towel and a basin of water. Jesus has gone through a couple of the disciples and he gets to Peter. Let's look at that interaction with Peter. John 13, six through 10. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet, Lord. Jesus responds, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. I'm going to say that this is the beginning of the first promise of foot washing. Being humble enough to let another person pick up your feet and wash them will have benefits. And what are those benefits? Peter had a relationship with Jesus. He had an initial cleansing. As far as we know, he was baptized. But since then, if you know the story of Peter, Peter had made some mistakes. And even if we look at this story right here, wasn't Peter making a mistake? He thought he knew better than God did. He thought he knew better than Jesus did. I'm not gonna let you wash my feet. And Peter's faulty thinking was impeding his relationship with God and it was impeding his relationship with other people. And I would dare say it wasn't just Peter's faulty thinking that was impeding, it was all of the disciples' faulty thinking that was impeding. Jesus is gently reminding Peter that this act will symbolically cleanse Peter's faulty thinking. So today, most of us probably do not come to church with filthy feet. Today, we have other ways to show hospitality than the foot washing. But did we by any chance come to church today with faulty thinking that impedes our relationship with God and our relationship with one another? Verse 10 says, he who is bathed 
He who has an experience with God, he who is born again, which I believe you all are here because you have an experience with God. But have you come this morning needing your feet cleansed a little bit, needing something in your heart cleansed this morning? The promise of foot washing is this. Jesus took the common act of hospitality and turned it into an ongoing reminder of our need and his promise that his grace, mercy, love, and sacrifice are still available and are enough for our inappropriate thoughts, attitudes, mistakes, and sins that we make. And it could go on to say, it becomes a time of reconciliation and intimacy between God and us and between one another. The first promise of foot washing. I'd like to take us to another New Testament account of foot washing. You'll know the story well. A woman of the city who's considered a sinner comes to a feast where Jesus is at. This feast is given by a person in high authority. His name is Simon. This account is found in every gospel. And in this account, I wanna look at a couple verses from Luke. Starting with Luke 7, 38, she, the woman, began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. What a beautiful act of love and devotion that this woman showed to Jesus. I don't think we very often consider um, washing somebody's feet an act of love and devotion. But obviously this woman had an an extensive love for Jesus and was willing to wash his feet. Now, the host of the feast was not very happy, if you remember the story, and Simon tells Jesus, this is not a good thing that's happening, and he has all his reasons that it's not a good thing, but this is Jesus' response to to, um, Simon. Let's look at it in verse 44. And Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. First thing that Simon didn't do. The second thing Simon didn't do is found in verse 45 and that is he did not kiss Jesus. And the third thing Jesus tells Simon that he didn't do is found in verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil. So here you have a contrast of someone who is doing devotion to Jesus and does three things that Jesus commends and you have somebody else who did not do those three things, who should have done them, even if he didn't love Jesus, and he did not do those three things. 
So Jesus tells the woman in Luke 7.50, then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. And in the other gospels, it's not found in Luke, I'm just gonna share it with you from Matthew 26, 12, but it's also in Mark and John. Jesus said, this woman did this for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. In these two verses are the next two promises about foot washing. First, if we love Jesus, when we choose to wash someone else's feet in acknowledgement that we love Jesus, then we claim the promise that our faith saves us and we can go in peace. In a world that is filled with anxiety, some of you may have come here this morning with anxiety, thinking about things that you just can't find answers to, financial problems, fears about um, whether that tree is gonna fall on your house the next windstorm. Anxiety might be filling you. Is it possible according to the story of Mary, and I believe it is a promise, that this simple act of foot washing out of love for God is an act of our faith that saves us and allows us to go from here in peace. Now the next promise also comes from this account. When, when the woman anointed Jesus' feet, he said that she did it for his burial. It was God's purposes that Jesus die, be buried, and rose again. God was going to accomplish his purposes. In our lives, God has purposes and plans for us, and God wants to accomplish them. The act of foot washing is a reminder, is a promise to us that God has a plan for our lives, just like he did for Jesus, and that he is going to accomplish that plan. God has a plan for the life of the person's feet you are washing, Therefore, God's purposes will be established. When you wash somebody's feet next week, would you please tell them that? Would you please let them know that regardless of what they're going through, regardless of what they're feeling, that the promise is that God has a plan for your life and that he is going to accomplish that. Let them know that. So let's go back to John 13 because there's one more promise that we can find there. So starting in verse 12, so when Jesus had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, Jesus continues, that you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I believe that verse 15, the top verse on this page, stands out as a compelling reason to wash one another's feet. Not because it represents hospitality, but because Jesus, our teacher, set us an example. And Jesus said if we do it, we are blessed. The last promise of foot washing is that as we participate in it, there is a blessing for us in it. Now, I may not be able to describe that blessing, and you may not be able to describe that blessing every time you do foot washing. You may not leave foot washing feeling like you received a blessing, though I hope you do, because I hope you're gonna take the peace that Jesus says to go with and take that with you. But we don't always understand what it means when God says that he blesses us. But this is a promise that when we do foot washing, we will be blessed as we receive it by faith. You know, as I preached this sermon, I realized something was missing. Whenever you take a class on how to do sermons, they tell you you need to have at least one really good illustration and maybe a couple is even better. One that you do at the beginning that catches people's interest and just draws them into the sermon. And one at the end that just seals your point. And so I started racking my brain for stories about foot washing. From Christian books that I've read to Adventist books that I've read to even Googling it. And I could not find stories about foot washing. I think we need to have stories about foot washing. If you have a story about foot washing, I would love to hear it. I had three people, four people come to me after the first service with stories about foot washing that if I had known ahead of time, I might have tried to weave them into my sermon. But we need to have these stories about foot washing and the promises of foot washing and be telling them to other people because Jesus left this as an example for us to do and we will be blessed as we partake in foot washing. So if you have a story about foot washing, come and share it with me or write it down and get it published in some magazine, Christian magazine, whatever. Let us start having testimonies about how God is working through foot washing in our lives. Next week, as I said earlier, we will have an opportunity to participate in foot washing. It is an open foot washing from 8.30 to noon in the fellowship hall. You go in there with whoever you want to wash their feet with. If you don't have somebody to wash their, your, their feet and they wash yours, then go in there and one of the people in there will do it with you. But as we go forward from today, consider a couple things to do. You might consider reading Desire of Ages chapter 71 and consider the promises that are described in there about foot washing. 
Secondly, pray about your life. Is there an area in your life that needs to be cleansed? And then ask God, who should I participate in foot washing with? Who can I bless and who can bless me as we do that act together? And then fourthly, contemplate the four promises we've considered. And I've summarized them here, short, short way. Our need, his provision, reconciliation, and intimacy are the promise you will receive from foot washing. Our faith in doing foot washing saves us and gives us peace. God has a plan for our lives and it is his purpose to accomplish that plan. And lastly, as we participate in foot washing, we receive a blessing. Remember, Jesus the potter has made the act of foot washing so much more than an act of hospitality. Let us consider kneeling on the promises of foot washing next week. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the plan of salvation that you have and how you have instituted the act of foot washing to remind us of what God has done for us and to strengthen us and build us up together in our journey to the heavenly kingdom. As we leave this place, Father, may we go in peace, knowing that you will guide and direct us as a good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.